Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us for another message from Res Life Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. Well, what God put on my heart to share with the graduates was on the topic of free will. And although this is an exhortation to graduates, I really hope that everybody here can grab a nugget from this because it does apply to all of us and it is also a good refresher. So today I'd like to start in Genesis 1, 26 to 27. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule or have dominion over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So my first question for you is, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? Anybody? What does that mean? I mean, I've heard that a lot. I even, I mean, I read that as... um, A justification not to wear masks, one of the religious justifications. I'm not necessarily saying I agree or disagree, but saying I'm made in the image of God, if I cover that up, is that that what it means? You guys can talk back to me, that's fine. (laughs) Nobody? Okay. Well, I think that the phrase image of God isn't so much about physical traits. I don't read that and think... I have two eyes, God must have two eyes. And I, have, I walk on my two legs, God must have legs, and I have two arms, God must have two arms. You see, God is not a created being. God is eternal. And I don't think my physical traits necessarily mean that that's what God's image is. I think that this has a lot more to do with who we are on the inside about humanity's unique role in being God's kingly appointed representatives on the earth. We have an eternal soul. We are also a spiritual being. We have the ability to think and reason and choose. And we have dominion. We just read that God gave man the ability to rule or have dominion over the fish and the sea and the birds and the livestock and the things on the earth, right? And I think that's what it means to be made in the image of God. So looking at Psalm 8, 4 to 6, this summarizes what the image of God probably means. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than God and crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. I think we can also look at the original Greek word for Christian, Christianos. And when you break that down, when you really look at it and figure out what does this mean, it means little anointed ones, little anointed ones. I love that. So when you get up in the morning or you walk into a room, the devil isn't shaking 
because you have two arms and two legs. He's shaking because you are God's little anointed ones made in God's image, given authority on this earth, and you are more like God than he will ever be. Amen. So God made humans intelligent as well with a deep desire for knowledge. I love learning. Does anybody else here love learning? A few people? I tell people all the time, you know, my kids get so sick of school, and I'm like, I could go to school for the rest of my life. I could. If someone was going to pay my tuition, I'd be on my like fourth doctorate. I love it. And God put that inside of me because he values knowledge as well. In fact, I think that's one of the things that makes me different from my dog. You know, you guys know I love my dogs, right? They're my babies, but I mean, they're not going to be accepting Christ anytime soon. They don't have the intellectual capacity to understand the things that you and I understand. In fact, Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I think that's important. God values it. He values knowledge. He wants us to be smart. And he wants us to apply that knowledge in our lives. Now, I've heard lots of people during this season say, oh, I would never send my child to a public university. I'd never choose public school. I would never. But it's not the knowledge that's the problem. God values the knowledge, right? I think that's the important differentiation. (laughs) Knowledge is power. We know that. And God values it. Isaiah 118, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. God gave us intellectual capacity to reason. He says, let us reason together. We have options. We have the ability to comprehend cause and effect. And we also have the ability to choose kind of a lot of things. It doesn't make any sense at all that God would create you with such a capacity for intelligence and then just predestine everything in your life, does it? And then just constantly point at you, make you a little ventriloquist doll. doesn't make any sense. And I'm reminded of, you guys have probably heard this, I'm reminded of the Steve Jobs quote. It doesn't make sense to hire smart people and tell them what to do. We hire smart people so they can tell us what to do. I think about that a lot as a manager. I have a lot of really intelligent people, and I've literally had this conversation with people. Um, Please advise. I'm going to say, oh, boss, please advise. Please advise. I said, no, 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 wait a sec. I hired you to advise me. (laughs) It's kind of got that backwards a little bit. But I really don't think God is going to give us intelligence and then put us on strings for our entire lives. You are an intelligent person with agency. That means you have the ability to choose. You have the ability to impact the world around you. And choice is all throughout the Bible. I think sometimes we get a little bit caught up because we believe in the sovereignty of God. We know he's God. I'm not God, he's God. 
But choice in God's sovereignty can coexist. Those things are not mutually exclusive. In fact, God in his sovereignty gave you some choice. Joshua 24, 15. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, then choose for yourself today whom you will serve. Whether it's the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But you can choose for yourself today. It's not compulsory. God didn't say, do it now. He said, choose. Use your brain, figure it out, look at the options, and make a choice. Whether it be Yahweh or the gods of pop culture, God Almighty or the gods of the political agenda, you get to choose for yourself who you serve. And it is free will that makes that relationship valuable. It is precisely the free will that God has given you that makes that relationship so meaningful. If predestination were true and God already predetermined and forced people to accept Christ, that removes all the value from that relationship. Now, my husband and I have had this conversation a lot. I hate obligatory gifts. I don't like it. Let me give you an example. So, uh, flowers on Valentine's Day have a lot less meaning than flowers on a random Tuesday just because I love you. Right? A plant on Mother's Day has a lot less meaning. Then if, oh man, I found this and I thought of you and oh, I just knew you'd love it, right? It's different. Why? Because there was this push behind it, right? You're lining up with what society told you you needed to do. And that's different than a random act of love. So I picture it this way. Um, you're, down on, you're down on one knee, you're about to propose to the love of your life, And she's so excited, right? If you've been there, you remember this moment. If you're a graduate and you're looking forward to this moment, you've met the one. And this is the the real deal right now. Here, Here it comes, moment of truth. And you're down on one knee. You have the ring out. And you say, baby, I love you so much. Will you marry me? And she's like crying, yes. Oh, you know, it's this whole thing. Now, imagine the same scenario, but a mob boss has a gun to her head. Say yes. He's the one. Say it. Say it. Does that have, is it the same? No. Why? It was forced. She didn't have free will. Acts 17, 27 to 28 says that God did this, did what? Created humans so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, even though he's not far from any of us. God created us 
for authentic relationship, meaningful relationship, a relationship that's willfully engaged in because we love him. Some people describe Christianity as a love affair with Jesus. It's not because we're forced. We have free will, and no one has a gun to your head, not even God. Yet we also know that not everyone will stay true to that relationship. Some people will make a covenant with God, will accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and we know that not everyone will stay true to that because 1 Timothy 4.1 says, but the Holy Spirit explicitly and unmistakably desires, declares that in later times, some will turn away from the faith paying attention instead to deceitful and seductive spirits and the doctrines of demons. But I think even that's a choice, right? The demons aren't forcing you to turn away. I do think one of the strategies of Satan is to manipulate your thoughts a bit and try to sneak on in there, but it's your choice whether you accept that or whether you align your thinking to the word of God. That is a choice. Do you entertain those thoughts or not? The world really likes to complicate things, make arguments so complicated, confuse you, manipulate your reasoning, But it's really pretty simple to a mind that stayed on Christ. It's really pretty simple when the Bible is your measuring stick. It's really pretty simple when you're in a relationship with the Holy Spirit and he's guiding you. Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other, but you cannot serve both God and money or God and fame or God and pride or God and agendas or culture. You can't serve both. One has to be your priority, but it's a choice. Amen. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that... I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. I love this. God said, hey, it's a choice, but could you please make the right one for once? I resonate with that as a mother. (laughs) Your free will may be the biggest thing impacting your future. And the truth is, each and every one of us will have to account for each and everything we do on earth in this body. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So here's my next question for you. If you really don't have any control over your life, would our good, good, faithful, just judge of a God judge you based on something you had no control over? I don't think so. If you were just the ventriloquist dummy and you were just on strings and everything in your life was just the way God wanted it to be, 
Could he judge you for that? I don't think so. Now, I'm a social science researcher. I spend a lot of time digging into all kinds. I love learning about human behavior. It's a ton of fun. In fact, there's a whole field called behavioral science, and you can predict how people are going to act, what they're going to do. And I've spent a lot of time looking into that, and I actually have spent 15 years in public health, where one of our mantras is, make the right choice the easy choice. Make the right choice the easy choice. Predict what people are going to do, what they like, what they need, where they're going to be, and make the right choice the easy choice. But is predictable behavior the same thing as not having control, is it? One thing we talk a lot about is trauma and ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, and how um, in the health world, the more adverse childhood experiences you have, and this could be something like um, an abusive parent, a parent with mental health issues, an alcoholic parent, an incarcerated parent, divorced parent, all these things. As these things add up, your outcomes get exponentially worse. If I have five aces, am I actually doomed for that outcome? Just because I have experienced childhood trauma and I've watched my dad, and this isn't true, but if I watched my dad beat up my mom for the first 10 years of my life, does that make me mean I'm going to be an abuser? No. No. The outcome isn't guaranteed. So there's this whole philosophy called determinism, and that would tell you that everything you do isn't up to you. It might be up to your genetics. It might be up to the way you were raised, or it might be up to God, but it's not up to you. I disagree. Now, I'm not saying you can't be predisposed to something. But that doesn't mean you have to act on it. It doesn't mean you have to express it. You have a choice. How many times have you heard somebody say, well, I do that because, I don't know, I drink, but I'm Irish. I can't help it. It's a terrible example, I know. <laughs> or, well, I'm, I'm really heavy, but that's my genes. Everybody in my family's heavy. Or... You know, I act that way because that's how my dad acted. That's what my dad did. I watched him my whole life, and now I do it. Now, you might be genetically predisposed to alcoholism, but that doesn't make you drink. It doesn't mean you have to choose to pick up alcohol. In all honesty, there isn't much in this world that irritates me more than, like, someone in their 40s blaming their parents for the way they're acting. Like, oof, I, oh, I really feel like 25 is the cutoff. Like, if you're over 25, it's time to stop, stop blaming your parents. Like, truth, take some ownership over your actions. And I don't think we have to look very far to prove this point. Have you ever watched a courtroom drama or been in an actual court and had the judge like actually excuse someone because they had no control? Well, your blood alcohol level was a point two, or is that high? Point, yeah, point two four. Let's say that, that's pretty high, right? And uh, you totaled a car, you hit somebody on the sidewalk. Oh, I'm so sorry, Anna. I'm Irish. 
oh, you're excused then, free to go, sir. Clearly you had no choice. <laughs> like, it, does, it doesn't work that way, right? Nowhere in society do we recognize that as having validity. It's absurd. And there's a great proverb in the Bible um, that addresses this very issue. It's Ezekiel 18. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I will summarize it for you. So essentially, it goes like this. There's a righteous man. He does all the things right. He's lived an amazing life. His son decides to go the other direction. His son's like, "Mm, that life looked a little bit boring. Let's spice this up. And so his son goes and does all the things. He's a bad dude. And then that guy's son, who grew up probably with 10 aces, watched his dad beating up his mom, drinking, gambling, stealing, doing all the things. This is my summary. And he's like, I'm not doing that. I want to be righteous. I want to follow God. I want to do it right. And what it goes on to talk about is the sins of the son don't affect the father, right? They all stand in judgment before God individually. The second son will be judged. His father is not going to be judged for his actions. I think some of us can breathe a huge sigh of relief there. But the other one, who had a terrible, terrible role model, he's judged too. And each one got to decide how to live their life. We are all responsible for our own actions. Response, able. Able to control our response. We as parents can't control our kids. I mean, maybe up to a certain age, but you know, there are lots of things, lots of times I tell my kids, hey, I know the right answer here. This is what you're supposed to do. And they're like, I don't think so. Like, no, 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 no. I've lived a lot of life. I've been through a lot. This is probably the way, nah, I don't feel like it. (laughs) And it's, it's painful. It's painful to watch that. And I wonder if sometimes God looks at us the same way, right? Like, dude, it's in the Bible. I told you what to do. I said, you have a choice, life or death. Choose life. Why are you choosing death? I told you what the right answer was. But what I want you to realize is People don't always make the right choices. Even Christians, we don't. We're flawed. And I do, like, I really hate to be the one to say this so bluntly. I'm I'm blunt sometimes. I'm sorry. But God's will is not always done on this earth. It's not. We don't talk about that much. We don't like talking about that. It's uncomfortable to talk about it, but it's true. And this is a good example, 1 Timothy 2.4. God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's his will. Will everyone be saved? No. Why? Yeah, I mean, we've got, we've got the devil and his cohort to contend with, but for the most part, it's because 
of free will. You simply don't have to listen or respond to what God tells you to do. Once you know what God's will is, as a Christian, your job becomes on earth as it is in heaven. And if you are in this love affair with Jesus, you should want to. You should want his will to be manifested on this earth. You should want desperately, like deep, deep in your soul, to walk in the will of God, to like fulfill every letter written in your book in heaven. Why? Because you love God and you want to use the gifts and talents he's given you. But you don't have to. A few months ago, I had a really interesting experience that, I mean, God really used to show me a few things. And, you know, I've lived my life, I really try, I really, really try to live in the will of God. I really, really try to obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. And typically, when I feel the Holy Spirit nudge me to do something, that something works out. Hey, take this step. Got it. Hey, apply for that job. Got it. You know, and it just like, he'll illuminate it and I'll step into it. And it's like, wow, this is wonderful. This is magical. Staying in lockstep with the Holy Spirit is kind of the way to live your life. It's the best way. But on this occasion, I really felt God guiding me in a certain direction and telling me that a certain opportunity was for me. Now, when God does this, when he highlights something to you, he tells you an opportunity is for you, this is what what I do. First, I'm gonna do everything in the natural that makes any sense, right? I don't want, I mean, (laughs) maybe this is crazy, but I don't, if, if it requires me showing up, I'm gonna get dressed and look nice. I'm not showing up in pajamas and making it extra hard for God. If it requires me to write an essay, I'm writing a gosh darn good essay. I'm doing everything I can in the natural to make this thing come to pass. But then I'm also looking into the spiritual. And I'm, I'm discerning, is anything operating against me spiritually? And then I'm going to tackle that thing, clear it out, so that God's will can be made manifested in my life. So in this occasion, I I did just that. I did everything I knew to do in the natural. I did everything I knew to do in the spiritual, and the opportunity went to somebody else, and I was confused. And so I went for a walk, and I'm talking to God, and I'm like, God, what was up with that? I am sure you told me to go for that. I am sure you told me that that was for me. I'm sure of it. Why? Why, did, why? What's going on? And I heard as clear as a bell in my head two words. Possibly three if you use a hyphen. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Free will casualty. Free will casualty. And I just kept saying, free will casualty. Free will casualty. What is he talking about? And then I started thinking about it. And I'm like, well, he's basically telling me that sometimes the free will of humans gets in the way of what he's trying to do. And there will be times in your life when you will do everything right. You'll do it all right. And it still won't work. That's hard. 
that's really hard stuff. Now, I do want to finish that story because by the time I finished my walk, got back to my office, my phone was ringing with an even better opportunity. Why? Because God, (laughs) he takes all the things and works it for your good, for the good of those who love him, those who've been called according to his purpose. He does it. Amen. But there will be times when you do everything right. When you want to stay married, you think God wants you to stay married, and your spouse still leaves. There will be times when maybe you witness to a friend, you bring them to church, and they die before accepting Christ. Free will casualty. You might meet the perfect Christian guy, and you guys are making the right choices, you're following God, you're waiting on all the marriage things until marriage, and he goes off and does something stupid with some girl down the road. Free will casualty. When Steve Hage was here a couple of weeks ago and he talked about, you know, you pray for something, God puts it on the calendar, he pencils it in. You pray for a spouse, it's penciled in. You pray for restoration in your marriage, it's penciled in. Trust the timing. Now, I believe that quite a bit. However, I feel like I need to clarify because that doesn't factor in free will. 1 John 5.14 says, this is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If it has to do with the promises of God or the will of God, he's hearing you. But humans are flawed. And we have faulty logic. And sometimes we're influenced by the wrong thing and we jazz things up. Have you ever heard the phrase, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink? There's a lot of truth in that. God will not force you to follow his path. I do want you to know that God has a plan for you, a will for your life. And it's amazing. It's good. He's the God of exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever ask or think or even imagine. And his will is the only place you ever want to be because it's better than what you could ever imagine. But you don't have to say yes to it. I want you to. I hope you do. But you don't have to. The gifts and callings of the Lord are without repentance. We talk about this a lot. But you don't have to use your gifts. You don't even have to use them for God. You could be a great singer singing some pretty raunchy music. That's up to you to decide how to use your gifts. You don't have to fulfill your purpose on this earth. That's up to you. You need to choose that that's your goal. That's your plan. And you can take as many trips around the mountain as your little legs can carry you. But get back on track. I didn't have to get up here and give this message today. (laughs) I could have been like, yeah, nice idea, God. (laughs) Danielle didn't have to get up and sing. She doesn't have to serve the church like that. It's a choice. Do you think Saul on the road to Damascus could have said, nah, uh, no thanks. This has been a rough, you know how rough this is going to (laughs) be? If I uh, go back and change what I've been, oof. I think he could have said no. 
Pastor Josh, I think it was last week, talked about when the angel came to Joseph. Joseph was going to divorce Mary quietly. And the angel was like, no, 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 no. This is from the Holy Spirit. Do you think Joseph could have been like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> sounds like a little bit of trouble. I think maybe I still just send her on her way. I think he could have made that choice had he really wanted to. You guys, we are on a journey with God. And at any point, we can choose to step off the path and start following something else. But I encourage you to use his navigation system. As my kids have been getting older, everyone tells me it goes really fast. You guys have all told me that. But as they've been getting older, I've been feeling this sense of urgency. Like, I need to tell them all the things. I need to tell them, I wish someone would have told me this when I was your age. And I've got to get it all out. (laughs) Gabe can attest to this. He's had lots of moments with me lately on his last little nudge out the door. Where I'm like, ah, I need to give you some wisdom. And here's here's one. Here's one for you guys. You do not have to follow society's definition of success. All right? You don't. Society might tell you success looks like a college degree, a nuclear family, two kids, a dog, and a white picket fence. But you don't have to follow that. You may have been conditioned your entire life that that's what your life is supposed to look like, but it doesn't. It doesn't. I encourage everyone with this. All you need is the Holy Spirit, your free will, and a firm, firm belief that the will of God is the only place you want to be. Because if it's not for you, you guys, you don't want it anyway. I promise. It might look really good and tasty. If it's not for you, you don't want it. And if the Holy Spirit tells you to take a step, you take that step. And if the Holy Spirit tells you to go in that direction, you go in that direction. And if you get out your compass and you're like, that direction, and it's weird, and it's like four-dimensional, and God's telling you to go in a direction that doesn't even exist. And he's like, go this way, up and to the left. And, and you're like, ah, this doesn't even have a name. Go with boldness in the direction the Holy Spirit is leading you and know that the lion of the tribe of Judah has got your six. Amen? Amen. And once in a while, God will give you a glimpse into your future. Once in a while, it might be something deep inside your heart, some deep burning passion, and you know that's why I'm on this earth. It might be a vision It might be a prophetic word someone speaks to you that sets your soul on fire. But when that happens to you, don't let that fire go out. Don't let it go out. Hold on to that. Write it down. Put it on posters around your room. Do whatever you have to do. Stack some stones. Make yourself, whatever it is, remind yourself of that passion, that purpose that God has instilled in you. But remember, we are refined by the journey, by the fire.
And this is what I think Pastor Hage was really talking about. You will be tempted at some point in your life to cut the corner. If life was a game of chutes and ladders, you'd be like, hmm, this ladder here looks pretty good. Hey God, don't you see the shortcut? He sees the shortcut. <laughs> he sees it. You think he doesn't see it from his vantage point? He sees it, but he knows your legs are only gonna be strong enough to carry your purpose if you've walked the journey. Don't cut the corner. Don't cut the corner. I think of David in the cave hiding from King Saul, and here comes King Saul. And David's like, huh, well, I could just kill him right now and become king. And no one would have blamed him. He's going to become king anyway. But he chose not to cut the corner by cutting the corner. (laughs) We need the journey. I remember feeling so impatient, wanting the next thing all the time. When I was in school, I wanted to be out of school. When I was dating, I wanted to be married. When I was married, I wanted the kids. When I had the job, I wanted the the better job. I wanted the next. Chill. Stay in lockstep with the Holy Spirit because the process matters. So today, I implore the graduates or anybody listening to relentlessly, unashamedly, and enthusiastically choose God's will. No matter what lies ahead or what chaos is swirling around, no matter what global pandemic comes down the door next, choose God's will. Choose today whom you will serve. Choose to fulfill God's call on your life. Make that your priority. Choose to use your God-given gifts and talents. Choose the word of God and the Holy Spirit as your four-dimensional compass and choose to seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added to you. Amen. I'd like to call up Pastor Josh and the graduates.